This is the beginning of the church new year. And so we say goodbye to our readings from the Gospels of Mark and John, and that's kind of sad. Those are my two favorite Gospels. But we say hello to the Gospel of Luke, which is my favorite Gospel. So it's, we're in for a wonderful year. We'll talk more about that in the homily. This also is the beginning, of course, of the new season. We have the purple for Advent. Some of the great, greatest scripture passages are shared, proclaimed during the season of Advent. And it's about hope and peace, joyful anticipation and waiting. Well, that's a foreign concept to Americans. We don't wait. The idea of making it in the American dream is to have whatever you want when you want it. And then for those of us forced to wait, we're not usually joyful about it because we don't know what's coming. And yet we're challenged today. Challenged. All three of our readings are about waiting. Yes, technically waiting for the end of the world, but with insights that probably are helpful for if we're waiting in other ways. Some of you, I can tell, are not sure yet. You're waiting to find out if you're going to pass or fail your exams and classes. Some of you are waiting to get diagnoses of uh, medical problems. Some of you are waiting for that special someone that will change your life. And everybody says, just wait and relax. They'll come. And you don't know if they're coming. You don't know what the diagnosis is. You don't know how the semester is going to end. Only in retrospect will you know if you should have been joyful or not. But our messages are about being joyful anyway. It's like what I tell people who are discerning for religious life. God's time is not our time. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live it. Does that gospel passage sound familiar? It should. But like we said at the beginning, sometimes we have to wait for the answer. We'll get to that in a minute. The Gospel of Luke is known as the Gospel of Prayer, the Gospel of Women, the Gospel of Storytelling, the Gospel of the Holy Spirit, and the Gospel of Social Justice. It is also the Gospel that most talks about history, about how God comes and takes part in our history. And so it's appropriate here in academia to tell an old adage that's a little bit of a joke, if you steal from one source, we call it plagiarism. If you steal from many sources, we call it research. And Luke starts his gospel by saying that he has studied the sources. He was not there himself, but has studied them all and put them together to tell his story. Well, we know of three sources that he probably used, and one of them is the Gospel of Mark. And we heard... Mark's version of this very gospel passage two weeks ago. But circumstances had changed for Christians in the 15 to 20 years between when Mark wrote his gospel and Luke wrote his. And those re are reflected in how Luke retells what Mark said Jesus said. There was a Jewish revolt and the Romans cracked down on those in Judea who were trying to throw off the Roman government. It was brutal. But this was not the first time that Jerusalem and Judea were destroyed by foreign oppressors. Our first reading is of that time. 
The book of Jeremiah, if you've ever read it, is one of the hardest books of the Bible to read. It's very long. It's very important to our faith, though. And Jeremiah, and the people listening to Jeremiah, could see the armies of Babylon coming towards Jerusalem. And they knew it was not going to end well. It wasn't a question of if Jerusalem would be destroyed. It was a question of when. And yet, Jeremiah takes at this time to say this message. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made. Jerusalem shall dwell secure. When Luke is writing, the temple had been destroyed again after it had been rebuilt, after the Babylonians had destroyed it. And the Jews were scared of what the Romans would do, and so were the Christians. Because first of all, at this time, Christianity and Judaism weren't exactly separate religions. And most of the Romans, who were pagans, could not distinguish between the two. So if the Christians or the Jews got persecuted, the others were going to be persecuted as well. And yet, Luke says that Jesus gives this advice. When these signs of destruction begin to happen, stand erect and raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. And then our second reading from Paul to the Thessalonians. Paul believed, and the Thessalonians believed, that Christ was coming back very soon. This is the first letter written, this is the oldest part of the New Testament, when the Christians still believed Jesus was coming any day now. But did Jesus tell the Thessalonians to just relax and wait it out? No. He said, you have work to do. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus. I celebrated Mass already today at the Knox County Jail. It was my first Mass in jail. It was also mi primera misa en español. It was a lot of work. Um, just real quick, Jason Hartman, who was the Grand Knight here a few years ago, was married this afternoon in a high Latin mass that required three priests. Father Charlie was there, and so was Father Orr, who usually does the prison mass. So he asked me to cover it, and after I agreed, then he told me it had to be in Spanish. But anyway, what wonderful readings to share with men waiting waiting for everything. They are waiting to go to court, and they do not know when they will go. Some of them are supposedly going to be there a few months. Some of them have been there more than a year. And when they go, will their lawyer actually show up? Will they be released? Will they be sent back to wait longer? Will they receive probation, incarceration, or deportation? And it's been a tough few weeks in the jail. Um, for various reasons, there has been a crackdown and some privileges that they had have been taken away. One of the regulars who usually goes to the Mass, they tell me, is in solitary confinement for at least 15 days. And yet, when we sat and talked about these readings at the end of Mass, they were able to agree with me that there are three ideas that God has for us when, as we wait. 
First of all, we wait in hope. As Jeremiah proclaimed, God will take care of us. Secondly, we wait in love. As Paul wrote, we must care for each other as brothers and sisters. And third of all, we wait with trust. As Jesus promised, we will be saved. These guys seemed to buy this idea. They're very angry. They're very anxious. And that's definitely part of waiting for many of us, the anxiety. But dwelling in these emotions longer than is necessary is unhealthy. I closed my homily with them with a prayer that I first found when I was working in an inner city parish in Washington, D.C., It was in one of these inserts that's published. And so when I first read this Advent prayer, I thought of it for people awaiting economic justice. A few months later, I found that it worked very well for praying with people in nursing homes who were waiting for seeing God face to face. I thought it was appropriate for the jail. And perhaps if you're waiting for something, This is appropriate for you too. Almighty God, my life is complex. Often I cannot see what lies ahead of me and what decisions I should make. Even though I cannot understand why difficulties and pain so often follow me, help me to focus on what is clear. You have promised me life and goodness. You have commanded comfort for your people. Allow me to trust in the word you have spoken. Help me believe that in your love, my future is secure. Amen.